myself, my name is Ho, Ho, H to the O-V, I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z, I guess even back then you can call me, CEO of the R-O-C, Ho, fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I beat up, music man's number one supplier, flying in a piece of paper bearing my name, got the hottest chick in the game, wearing my chain, that's right, Ho, Ho, not D-O-C, but similar to the letters, no one can do it better, Play it day one with Game Pass. In Formula One, you need to be able to adapt. When you need to be aggressive, you need to be aggressive. When you need to be smooth, you need to be smooth. And when I'm in the car, I will never give up. Max Verstappen, how are you feeling about being in the chair? Um, it's quite comfortable, so. <laughs> it is a new dawn. Hello, hello. I charge for my smile. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> the season for Formula One has changed beyond recognition. The points go back to zero. It has to be the comeback. We are competitive, a feeling I've never had before. I am confident. I know how much work we've done. This is not going in drive to survive. The higher you rise, the sharper the knives. The best way to become unpopular is to win. I'm gonna come after you. And you start to see cracks. Bridge flag, bridge flag. Oh my god. I don't need any of this fucking. Formula One has to be always heroes, anti heroes. We need to start considering a change. It's very simple. If you are not performing, you're out. He said they want your blood. They all want your blood. These stakes are creeping in. Stay out, stay out. We're all feeling the pressure. Max lacks Lewis Hamilton. He's struggling so much out there. Fuck them all.
Man, uh, well, I, and, until then it was it was going really really well. Um, had a not a great pit, and then uh, had a pit penalty, so I had to come back through. So they got us lapped down, but the crew never stopped working. Uh, we had a great great car. I was a little loose up top, but that's kind of where the the run was coming, and just got just a little tap. I was. There's not much room. It looks a lot wider on TV, but as it turns out, it, it's pretty narrow. So by the got a tap and started sliding and got in, uh, got into the guy underneath me, and it's pretty much all she wrote. I was just it was really exciting to be, uh, you know, up in the hunt for a potential top five coming to the coming to the checker, and I just can't say enough about the 2311 Toyota and, and all the guys and how much uh, how much everyone was working with me out there. It was pretty cool. What was the, what was the Thank you guys. Yeah. Let's go. Thank you guys. No, I mean honestly, just to be to be in the hunt at the end. I mean we were in the hunt for the win, but to be running top ten on that last restart, like this was exceeded all my expectations. Obviously, it's disappointment now because you always, you know, you, you want to do the best you can. I, I was really trying not to crash, and um, you know, unfortunately, just when things got uh, got tight in there, and I just wasn't able to con control it on the on the top with uh, with a little push. So What's that was like disappointing. Laps in the Daytona 500. I let a lap. It was by mistake. I was, I was like, I should come in. They're like, stay out. They're like, come in. I'm like, I'm already out. So, uh, yeah, I let a lap at Daytona 500. And I uh, finished top 20, uh, and the car is not a complete write-off. So uh, uh, the kids' college fund should be intact. I think it was a win, man. It's awesome. Is, there, is this going to make you, make you come back and race something else or try to come back and race here again next year? No, um, this was this exceeded all my expectations as far as result. Um, these are the best drivers in the world. I'm not a great rear-wheel driver. I'm not a great pavement driver. Uh, restricted play races are a little different. We had a great team with this Toyota 23.7 or <laughs> uh, 23.11 team, and um, it was an honor to be on the track with these guys. It was amazing that we were able to, to put it in the top 20. Um, I'm proud of everyone involved and so thankful to be here. Jimmy, not how you won it today. Yeah, I, those restarts, we knew that everybody's going to be pushing hard to try to uh, have their shot to win. And I don't know what what went wrong in my lane in front of me, but before I knew it, I saw the side of the 24 car, and I knew that we were going to be in big trouble. And I missed the first couple cars spinning and almost got through it. But, um, you know, plate racing, this kind of stuff happens. And, um, and all in all, just a fun day. It was great to get some reps and be back in the mix, uh, run the top five, uh, top ten, and kind of all around. So uh, just thankful that Kavana followed me over from IndyCar and we were able to have this opportunity here with Legacy Motor Club. Did you have fun? I had a blast. That was fun. It was so nice not worrying about stage points, and I even got a few, um, and not worrying about really anything. It was just about trying to get to the finish for the checkered flag, and I was one lap away. Did you get to the point where you were comfortable? Yeah, it came pretty quick. I feel like the duel helped me, and then certainly the practice session we had following that where we were top of the board, um, I kind of found my stride and comfort zone. Anything can happen. I didn't think I had the outright speed to pull out and lead a line and, and fend people off, but the car drove so well. I could take a push. I could give a push. I felt like I was going to be somebody's best friend up until about 100 yards to go and then try to hang them out, but I just didn't get there. Uh, no, no, not yet. Um, it'll be before Chicago. I know that, but we're getting close. Jimmy. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., it has been a long time coming. The one difference, Mike Kelly, your crew chief, is back. You won two championships together, and now you won the Daytona 500. Was it just magic together that made the difference here? 
Yeah, I think this whole offseason, Mike just preached how much we all believed in each other. Um, they left me a note on the car that said they believe in me and to go get the job done tonight. I made a few mistakes. We were able to battle back. This Kroger Cottonelle team worked really, really hard this offseason. Great pit stops, uh, Hendrick engines, Gladys Chevy won. We, uh, man, this is unbelievable. This is the site of my last win uh, back in 2017. We've worked really hard. We had a couple shots last year to get a win and, and fell short. It was a tough season, but man, we got it done. Daytona 500. You have a knack for this style of racing, and, and we went into overtime, so you had to do it a couple of times and earn it. What were those moments like, and what were you watching? What made the difference initially at the end? Yeah, I, you know, when the eight went to the bottom there, you know, I was able to push the 22 and the five. We had a huge run. I was hoping we were going to get to the white there, and we didn't, so I knew I was going to take the top. I was hoping the 22 was going to follow, and he did. He was able to push us out. I went to the bottom, the eight and the 22, you know, got a huge run. The five, you know, split me in the middle, but uh, another fellow dirt racer with Bell gave me a good shot down, down the little short shoot into one. And uh, man, we were out front when the caution came out. We were out of fuel, so the fuel light was going crazy. But man, I hope you all had fun. That was a heck of a race. Congratulations. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wins the Daytona 500. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program presented by Sinister One Productions. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we uh, break down the Daytona Speed Weeks, or Speed Week, uh, as it is known this day and age, uh, and we'll also go over the other racing news. Uh, joining me in the studio, Levi and Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing? doing good, good, thanks. Good, thank you. All right, and uh, Louise Torres will be joining us a little later in the show. He's uh, a little bit indisposed at the moment, but but once again, I want to thank um, Netflix for the Drive to Survive trailer, new trailer this week uh, that you haven't seen yet, a little more dramatic, and also want to thank uh, Forza Motorsports. Uh, that game will be coming out soon, but uh, I do believe Netflix goes um, – live with uh drive to survive this coming week so uh, you'll be able to chronicle the entire 2022 season uh one race at a time on netflix there and uh always an enjoyable thing so but anyway so we're coming out of daytona and as daytona produces sometimes somebody that we may not have expected to win uh here it is um at, at the end of a long day where we saw a lot of really strong cars uh ricky stenhouse jr who was Rarely a factor all day coming home with the win. Now, am I thrilled about this? Eh, no, I'm not really a Stenhouse fan, but uh, yeah, I'm sure he has a, a fan base. I mean, you know, his uh, he's won a couple of played races in the past there. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, um, JTG Darty, Darty is a bit of an underdog team. Uh, Brad Daughtry, also the, uh, the first African-American um uh, primary team owner to win a day, Daytona 500. So that's a bit historic as well. Uh, along with the fact that it was matter of fact, the longest Daytona 500 on the books. And when I say longest, I mean, miles, not um, time, because we have had some rain delayed races that uh, ended on July. So though we did run a total of 530 miles, 212 laps uh, to the point where we had to see guys getting fuel on the, um, 
<laughs> in the in the overtimes there. So so anyway, so uh, Richard, I know you had a chance to watch the 500. So uh, what are some of your thoughts uh, coming out of here? Uh, um, it, it looked like, uh, you know, Ford's kind of had the field covered all day, but uh, uh, they just uh, they were there when it counted, but it was was not a Ford to cross the line. Yeah, the, the Fords were, as you say, they, they were probably the dominant car, for want of a better word. Um, you know, there's, I, I believe they'd done quite a bit of work to the front end of the car. Of the, um, I think it's still the Fusion, the model that they run, uh, which meant they could lock and bolt, um, you know, a little more effectively than maybe we've seen from uh, the other manufacturers. It's a Mustang, um, Mustang they run, actually. Is it a Mustang now? I know, I know they keep changing it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the front end was... You know, there's a lot of work that teams can do to to um, uh, allow the the front and the uh, the rear of the cars to sort of lock together. Not supposed to lock together because I think that's going to frown upon that. Um, but uh, you know, they, they did a good job. They had a you know num- you know reasonable number of competitive cars in the field there, and uh, you know you saw the RFK guys. They were running one two for quite a long period of time uh, up front towards the end of the race, but uh, they just couldn't quite get the job done. And what I thought was interesting was actually the, you know, the, the long runs at the start of the race. I think we had the the, the, the longest uh, green flag run without um, a caution for, for incident. I obviously, we had the stage break there at the end of stage one, but uh, we, we got probably 70 laps in almost without, you know, a, a, um, a caution flag flying. And, and it was really sort of very disciplined, two wide racing, uh, which, which is a blast from the past, really. You know, we haven't seen that for a while. Normally, these um, the sort of trains break up pretty quickly, uh, but they, they kept going. And, uh, you know, that was great to see. Yeah. Visually, it's impressive, but it did mean that, you know, you couldn't make a move. You know, if you were in if you're in the bottom lane and you tried to move it to the middle to go three wide, you'd just straight to the back out of here. And again, if you're on the top line and you tried to drop in the middle, you know, you have to have a group of you. It's just early in the race, it's not worth the risk. So, um, you know, again, think, I think teams, I think stage breaks and super speedways are a waste of time because, you know, the teams are starting to realize that, um, you know, the, the, the risk isn't worth it, especially at the Daytona 500. You know, you pick up a couple of stage points for, for making a daredevil move at the end of stage one. Well, you know, that's not why you go to the 500. You go to the 500 to win the damn thing. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you wreck going to track a couple of stage points, then it doesn't really do anybody any good. But um, no, on the whole, it was a you know a reasonably good race there. Uh, you know, it got a little bit clumsy at the end, I think. Um, you know, when the when the prizes are handed out, they they lose that discipline and they lose that uh, um, sort of sensibility that you you know you've seen throughout the early part of the race. And uh, yeah, it was the shame that it finished the way it did. And both both Xfinity races and the Cup race suffered from this um, you know last lap, you know next flag ends the race sort of thing. Um, you know, in the Xfinity race, you had a car upside down sliding down the back stretch before they officially threw the yellow flag. And in the Cup Series, again, you know, there's a couple of cars well in the wall before they flew the yellow flag, which probably cost Joe Legano the race. Uh, so there's, there's a, I think the um, NASCAR needs to look at that a little bit and also integrate it more in the spectator um, and the TV coverage. You know, there is an infinite number of ways of connecting a button that they press to throw the yellow flag to a TV screen where you can see that visually on the screen, um, you know, the overlay of when they press that button and, and not just waiting to see where the lights on the side of the track turn on because that, 
that doesn't define uh, the end of the race. So there's some work that, that NASCAR, I think, can do to improve the show. But, uh, you know, it was a data. It's a super speedway race. You know, what more can you say? Yeah, typical super speedway race, a little sloppy at the end. Uh, you know, I recall that we've had a uh, last couple of years. I mean, we've had uh, overtimes in there, so uh, including last year. So now, Lee, we did a, kind of allude to the um, RFK cars being hooked up all day. And yep. uh, between uh, Keselowski and Busher, uh, those guys led the most laps between the two of them. I think Brad led the most overall, but uh, Busher led a big chunk as well. Do you feel like those guys tried to make their move too early? Um, I, I kind of feel like it would have gone green to the end. Those guys had it, but, but I mean, going green to the end is a, a tall ask at Daytona. Oh, yeah. So, yep. yeah, I think, uh, like, I do, I think the cautions, you know, definitely hurt Brad because he, you know, and this pylon filing order that they're doing, you know, the, the little tree that you've got to pick your, pick your lanes. That can yeah, hurt the, too the, because uh, the choose rule. Yeah, the choose rule because there, I, I I remember right there was times when instead of being front to back they were side to side, and I get I get I can kind of see the mentality of them wanting to pick side to side on the restarts because as teammates you can block your teammate like if you're on the high side you could just kind of sit there and block for your teammate on the low side, but it ended up I think it ended up cost costing those guys. A, a W, you know, um, I, I think if they had planned a little better, maybe if they had gone, stayed in line one, two right behind each other, instead of side by side, they may have been able to pick up a win, but they there was some risky. I, I thought there was some risk uh, that didn't turn into reward uh, on those restarts for those guys. If I remember right, I think they did it either once or twice uh, where they lined up side by side instead of front to back. Um, but I thought I, I you know, Going going into it, I you know, Keselowski, I didn't think he was going to have that that strong of a race. Uh, he was probably one of my not top fifty, you know, fifty percent picks. But man, he he proved his muster, you know, the whole race. He was he was you know, like you said, he was he. They led laps. They were in contention. It seemed like for a majority of the day. And then I think some bad, uh, you know, green white checkers and some restarts might have cost him there at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Richard, let's let's talk a little bit about a guy that you used to work with, but he's kind of moved on to another team. But uh, uh, Kyle Busch in his first yeah. uh, first start in his new team, it's kind of weird seeing Kyle Busch in a Chevrolet. He's been, uh, uh, you know, Toyota's um, most prolific winner for uh, for quite some time. But uh, uh, and a lot of folks felt like this was a really bad move for Kyle. But uh, you know, again, it's hard to glean information about the whole season from a uh, from Daytona, but uh, it looks like, um, to me at least, that Kyle's found a, a bit of a home there, and he seems to be working well and gelling with his engineers and whatnot. And he really, really had a shot to win that thing, um, were it not for the you know multiple cautions at the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as as a two car team there, um, you know, you're right. They were probably for for that sort of last 10, 15 laps. They were the second. A second stream yeah. behind the RFK cars, um, and 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 Kyle, you know, I, I think one of the things that appealed to him in the move away from JGR into RCR was that he's, I mean, not that he wasn't at JGR, you know, he's now uh, a very big fish in the pond, you know, and and he he's, he's basically 
you could argue he's going to get what he wants. You know, if he wants this, he'll get it. If he wants that, he'll get it. And the guy's smart. The guys are really, yeah. you know, he's he's really good. He knows what it takes to create a fast race car. And you know, when you're at when he was at JGR, you know, you've got three or four other top line drivers there that he's competing for for a voice with. You know, against you know guys like Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin and, and you know Chris Bush he sorry Christopher Bell he's he's growing into that role. But you know these are all pretty strong personalities that he was you know jostling, jostling for position against, and of course the crew chiefs and the engineers for all of the other teams they're going to want their their input into yeah. a car design potentially. Now obviously at RCL that's not the case, and this is no disrespect to Austin Dillon, but he's certainly not in the caliber of the other of Kyle's former stablemates at JGR. So. So, you know, RCR have invested a lot of money into Kyle. Chevrolet have invested a lot of money into him. And in the short term, they will give him what he wants. And, uh, you know, he'll bring a lot of data or a lot of knowledge, should we say, over from, um, you know, his years driving for for Toyota. And I'm sure he'll be able to glean the best parts of that uh, knowledge, um, you know, into the new package. Now, eventually that, you know, knowledge is going to become dated and, uh, they're going to struggle with with creating new, you know, um, larger gains based on that knowledge. So it'll be interesting to see what happens again as they go away from super speedway. Yeah, easy for me to say, super speedway, uh, and, and into the more conventional, you know, two mile, mile and a half short, you know, short track uh, races. See what happens. See if they can maintain this performance, but. Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of talent there in, in the eight car. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the first first half dozen races play out. And then, you know, because everybody's all got this new sort of new puppy sort of mentality and everything's great and amazing. Then and when Kyle has a bad pit stop and starts uh, shouting at the pit guys over the radio, it'll be interesting to see how they react to that because it's going to come. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lee, let's <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's talk about one of our first timers there. Let's talk about Travis Pastrana. We saw his uh, post race interview up there, but uh, just a, a, an absolutely enjoyable guy. It looked like he really enjoyed running the race, but uh, uh, he did, you know, openly admit he was physically exhausted. Uh, yeah, a race of that duration is not uh, usually his uh, his forte. But uh, how do you yep. feel, Travis? Did. I, I, I think for a first timer, a guy that has, you know, uh, in the big stage like that, he did well. He, you know, he led what two laps. Granted, they were by mistake, uh, his own words of, you know, in the interview before the show, he said, I led two laps. They were by mistake, but he led two laps. Um, he finished 11th, I think, overall at the end of the race. Which is, <laughs> it, uh, that's still. I mean, yeah. it's it's a top twenty finish. It's a top ten. It's a top fifteen finish. Um, I think he, I think he learned a, a heck of a lot on this race. He sat kind of uh, back in the in the middle to tail end of the of the field most of the day, and then towards the you know um, in the third stage there he worked his way to the front a little bit. Um, I think we'll see him again. I don't think this is the last time uh, that he's going to step foot in a car. Um, he definitely brought a lot of spectators to the sport. I think there was a lot of people that tuned in just to kind of see him. Um, so I think it was good. But I mean, Travis is just Travis. Like, what did he say in the in the interview leading up to it? He says, "Ah, you know, college kids' college account still good. I didn't wreck the car." That's Travis. You know, that's just his attitude towards 
towards everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got a dose of what, what it takes to, to, to race in the big leagues and, you know, rear wheel drive car and all that stuff. It's just totally out of his wheelhouse, but I think overall he did, he did very well. All right. So let's talk about the other first timer coming out of another series, which would be Connor Daly, uh, who put on a, a less than stellar performance. Uh, but, but admittedly he's the luckiest guy in the world, right? Cause he, uh, finishes dead last in his, uh, um, dual race. Right. Yep. But, but he manages to get a spot in the, in the race because of Austin Hill crashing out. And, and, and literally it's, he's so far off the pace. He's two laps down, uh, you know, the, the last car running amongst cars that aren't back in the garage. Um, and, you know, and he's driving a car that's uh, the, I think uh, the, the quote I read was just like, patched together with uh, discarded spare parts from every other garage in the, in the series. So, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, so he pretty much languishes at the back um, all day, but he still, he manages to finish the race, you know, albeit a, a number of laps down. And, and I think he actually ended up what 22nd after the other cars that were damaged, but uh, he managed to avoid, the melee and whatnot, and <laughs> had a decent experience there. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and again, brought the car home in one piece. So, but, but anyway, not the, uh, kind of stellar thing that Connor Daly's fans were, were looking for from him. But then again, you know, Connor Daly fans are famous for making excuses for Connor Daly, but, uh, that's a story for another day. <laughs> I tell you so, <laughs> but, um, so, uh, Richard, um, who else kind of impressed you in the 500? Uh, they, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, it, it seemed like we didn't see a lot out of the, um, our, um, not the children, but the, uh, Hendrick cars, uh, Kyle no, Larson was up front for a while. Really yeah. Nice. But, uh, um, but, but the rest of them seem to be, you know, notice no yeah. clo close to the front, but kind of outclassed by the Fords. I mean, Bowman did, you know, and they openly admitted on the, uh, on the 48 that they went for pure qualifying performance which got them the pole but then you know it wasn't until the Friday before the race that they started to look at some of the pack racing setups uh, even on the duel you know he basically he knew he had pole so he just backed off it and let everybody else you know drive around during the duels so yeah it was it was interesting to see them struggle a little bit uh, it does show and highlight the the balances that the crew chiefs and the engineers have to make between outright performance for qualifying and race durability um but it was, uh, you know, I don't think there was anybody that really stood out as being, an, an, you know, an, an amazing result. I thought one guy that gets overlooked quite a bit, and I, I, I don't know where he finished, uh, truth be honest, but I know he was up there for a while at times, was Corey LeJoy. You know, he uh, he almost won Atlanta. I think it was Atlanta he almost won last year. And, uh, and he's certainly making a name for himself um, on some of these super speedways. And... Uh, his, his crew chief I used to work for, we, we know each other, you know, we, we get on pretty well um, over the years. And, uh, you know, they're, they're putting a really good little package together. That's, that's a nice, smart, well-run team there that's uh, doing pretty good. So, you know, maybe see Corey the Joy sort of creep in and get some good results, uh, you know, throughout the year. All right. And, uh, Lee, let's talk about your pick for the win, which was Jimmy Johnson, who didn't have a terrible day. Well, I mean, he did when he ended up in the wall, but uh, yep. uh, but in his far as performance through the race, and this again, here's Jimmy. Um, you know, after two years of running Indy cars, um, 
with a, with a new team with the, where he's bottom with Richard Petty. There's a lot of, there's some media distractions surrounding that, that uh, perhaps Richard is a little myth that Jimmy's in charge now, but th- then again, I'm sure Richard cashed his check. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, we saw the, we saw the interview from Jimmy after the race. So Lee, uh, what's your thoughts on, on Jimmy? He's going to do several other races this year. Um, and actually I, I want to say the last I heard Jimmy had not closed the door on running the Indianapolis 500 again, but, uh, I, I believe the seats are running out. Yeah. Um, I, Jimmy had a, a, a decent day. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would have liked to seen him finish a little bit higher, but again he he held his own and i thought he did pretty much what he was ex- what i was expecting him to do all day he kind of just uh lingered towards the middle back of the pack type thing avoiding you know and i mean we went almost two a stage and a half with no um you know yellows for incidents on the track so that helped i think um and i think you know overall he did good it was definitely, I definitely got the vibe. He was there for, um, to be the face of, of legacy motorsports. You know, he was, you know, it was definitely like, uh, you know, new team. We're going to bring in a, you know, one of the big guns, Jimmy, let him show face, give us a, a, a good number on the 500, which, you know, up until like the last couple laps when he got crashed, he, he did good. Um, yeah, I was rooting for him, uh, but overall, I think he did what was expected of him. His expectations were just get out there and and show the number and get get Legacy Motorsports on 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 the tongues of the TV announcers, and he did that. And uh, but I'm glad to see him finish. I'm, I look forward to seeing what he's what uh, the other. I think he's got five more races to go this year. Looking forward to seeing what he does in those other five. So we'll see. Yeah, and then of course his. Uh... The full-time legacy motorsport driver is Eric Jones. Yep. Uh, who is a, um, that's a guy I really like. Uh, and I think he's, um, he's, uh, he did more with less with that lack with that car last year than a lot of other guys did. So uh, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, what, uh, bringing Jimmy into the team and how that, uh, you know, that can only help a guy like Eric Jones to have somebody yeah. with the tremendous, um, experience of Jimmy Johnson and, you know, whose experience is a little more recent than, uh, than, you know, leaning on Richard Petty for some engineering <laughs> advice. So no, no, yeah. dis- no disrespect to Richard Petty, but, um, you no. know, uh, the cars are very different than, uh, yeah, than any, not- <laughs> any, anything he would have driven. So, but, yeah. uh, so let's, let's talk about our winner a little bit because there was a funny little video, um, uh, on on either YouTube or TikTok or something, uh, where Ricky Stenhouse decided to visit to celebrate his victory, and that was uh, the Waffle House. So he strolls into the Waffle House, carrying the trophy, right, with a big smile on his face, and, and still nobody knows who he is. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, yeah, there's Waffle House managers. What what is that thing? Can't bring that thing in here, but but anyway, I mean, I'm sure I mean, far worse things brought into a waffle house. Sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you just just Google late night fight at the waffle house on YouTube, and you're gonna get some watch some really fun stuff, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess you know, uh, waffle house being a staple of the South, um, and one of the few places that's open all night if it's pretty late when you're hungry. Um, yeah, why not? So, uh, 
Yeah, but uh, again, congratulations to Ricky Stenhouse. But uh, Waffle House, there you go. It reminds me of uh, who was it? Was it? It was the great Gordon Johncock, who uh, they celebrated their Indy 500 victory uh, in '73 with uh, fast food cheeseburgers and Pepsi. Because instead of going out to celebrate, they had stopped in the hospital to check on their teammate, Sweet Savage, who was injured in the race. And then uh, that was their victory celebration was Burger King. So, but, um, and I don't think that Waffle House is a step up from Burger King. But then again, you know, yeah, I don't know. We'll wait say for that. a fast food podcast. Exactly. Wait for yeah. a fast food podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we, uh, and I mean, me personally, I think that I think the Waffle House thing, I think that I think that's going to be a trendsetter. I think, you know, 500 from here on out, all the drivers need to make a pit stop at the Waffle House on the way out of town and, you know, uh, bring the, bring the, the trophy in and, and show the bling and have some hash browns. So I was going to say, who, but who doesn't like? you know, greasy breakfast food every now and again. You know what I mean? I know it's not, it's, it's not the healthiest thing, but it's very, it's, it's the definition of comfort food. You know what I yeah. mean? Yep. Yeah, that, Southern that, comfort. That, that, that greasy breakfast, right? Bunch of, bunch of gravy on your biscuits, big old waffle. It's, com- it's comfortable on the way. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So on that note, we'll change the subject. <laughs> Before- <laughs> oh my. So, um, we, um, I was hoping Louise would chime in here when we talk about Xfinity and whatnot. But the uh, the other winners this weekend were um, Austin Hill uh, won the Xfinity, and uh, Richard, you had a chance to pay attention to some of the Xfinity, right? Um, it was obviously had, a carbon copy of the Cup race, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, it was a bunch of wrecks. Uh, last the lap, yeah, the last lap, um, you know, melee and 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 who threw the flag when and who was where and. Did uh, John Hunter get pushed below the yellow line and all this sort of stuff? I'll let's throw it later. So it's definitely not, but you know, not in the lead. So we don't have to answer that argument potentially if that was one of the questions. Um, but no, good result there for Austin Hill in the, in the RCR car. You know, gone back to back. Um, you know, winning the what's for dinner three hundred or whatever it's called now, or let's eat beef three hundred or something. I, I can't remember the exact name. It's one of those strange. Sponsorship deals that the Xfinity guys have dug out of nowhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, those races, aren't they? Yeah, um, so let's yeah. let's talk about this thing with the the yellow flag, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it's and when it's thrown and how we uh, – because during the uh, broadcast for the cup race, we said, oh, this is going to determine who was where, when the caution actually flew. And we've, we've seen this yeah. in racing uh, a number of times, you know, most most notably – uh, the, the Indianapolis 500 that Paul Tracy claims he won, you know, where who was where when the yellow uh, came out. Um, and uh, it really, to me, at least, you know, to the naked eye, casual television viewer, I thought Lagana won that race. But then they're but, saying and and I thought they were a little late throwing the caution. But but if you think about it, right, with all the electronics, right, all the cars have transponders in them. Right. And they have transponders in the track so they can really nail down the position of the cars uh when that when that thing turns on or even when the the incident starts right so they can yeah. literally but it, of course you can't expect a driver to lift till he sees the yellow but uh it just seems to me like the hesitation is is a bit much because yeah it's pretty amazing what they do in all sports anymore i don't know if you realize in football they have a microchip in the football they, they know exactly whether or not a guy got a first down but yet they still bring out those chains 
So, I mean, why? You've got the, drama. The, you got the technology there. But, um, yeah. yeah, so um, so what? So what is the actual rule, Richard, on is the, is the field frozen? Because so I mean, my- years ago they used to race to the line and they, they did yeah. away with that because that's just dangerous. Yeah. So it's pretty much Me- whenever the yellow falls, you're frozen, right? Yeah. Now, it's not when the, the – the problem is a lot of the times they pull up the TV – uh, feed and show it when the yellow light flashes on the pylons which are located around the track that as my understanding isn't the rule is when the nascar official whose job it is to call as a caution physically presses the button and they, they're saying i guess there could be a delay between him pressing the button and those lights illuminating i i don't i don't know i'd have to you know see that to believe it sort of thing um, Whenever you're that close, somebody's going somebody's gonna to claim they were cheated out of the win. Exactly. So there is, but as you, you quite rightly say, every car has a transponder and every car has you know high fidelity GPS in there. So they know where every car is on the track at any given moment in time. And there is nothing um, to to stop them, um, you know, from, from 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 feeding all this information together. And not just feeding it together to the teams, but feeding it together to the fans. Because the fans are sat there like, oh, I don't know. Especially the guys have got money on it. Yeah. They're trying to work out whether to cash out their bets before they call the end of the race. Yeah, if they can get if they if they can figure out speeding on pit road that fast, yeah. you know, yeah. there has got to be a better way to initiate the these these cautions and when the field is frozen or or however they're gonna do it. Um, it was it was a horse race. I mean, I I thought originally Joey had won. I was so like, did I, so did I. I. You know, I don't. I'm not saying that that's bad because I don't know if I could handle Joey's haircut during the. All right, and well, uh, I'll tell you what we need. To, we need to take a, a quick. We need to take a quick commercial break here, and we're gonna we're gonna have a, 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 look at, a we're gonna have a look at a. <laughs> going to have a look at a Formula One trailer for the Formula One season. So uh, we'll be back in just a moment. And when we come back, Louise Torres should be joining us uh, to talk about the truck race. What sport has stadiums that span seas? Or revels in driving rain, blazing sun, and blackest night? What sport makes even Vegas stop and stare? Sure, we have passing and curveballs and even the odd dive. But for us, the back of the net is no place to be. Breakpoint is rarely an advantage. In halftime, we do it in no time. Our kit saves lives our goals change futures our slam dunks echo around the world and our big game we do it 23 times a year this is no ordinary sport this is formula one 
And we're back. Welcome back to Drafting the Circuits. Uh, Luis Torres now joining us. Luis, how you been, buddy? It's winter beyond belief, and I think Fontana's going to be more of the same. Fingers crossed well, that's not the case. Fingers crossed that's not the case. So I think the last thing we were talking about before we went to commercial, Lee had uh, brought up uh, Joey Logano's haircut. Uh, which I'm reminded of because of your Joey Logano in the background. But yeah, so we do know Joey Logano has been suffering with uh, alopecia and, and has been losing his hair, but he came back in the, after the off season after a, a nice visit to hair club for men. He's got a lovely head of hair, but uh, again, a lot of folks seem to be making fun of him, but, and I really don't get that, you know, he's, he's got the, you know, he's got the money and the wherewithal to make sure that he looks nice. And then Louise, your hair looks nice as well. So, mine, is no, mine is no different than Logano's. Yeah. Mine is not looking too great right now. I'll tell you what, I used, to, I used to work with this guy, right? And he had the same thing going on. He was losing his hair in patches, right? And it, it just looked terrible. But this guy was kind of meek and quiet and had, had very little self-confidence. And he took a, uh, <clears throat> took a visit to the hair club for men. Shows up, shows up to work one day with this lovely head of hair, dark and curly, and and, and it looks good. Um, <clears throat> it was weird to get used to at at first, and you know he told me how the whole thing works and and how expensive it is, and you gotta go back once a month to have it tightened up. Uh, but but anyway, but after that he was a different guy, and he was and he was promoted to district manager within the next couple months. So I guess the only point I'm trying to make is that if, if we ever felt that Joey Logano lacked confidence, which he certainly doesn't, you might have to really watch out for him now with that uh, with that lovely new do. So anyway. <laughs> it was I, I, I respect it. I think it looks good. It was just, it was shocking. Like, I saw it. I was like, it was a wake-up call. I was like, what? Look at Joey getting into it. I like it, buddy. It looks good. So yeah. it's just, it's an adjustment period. It's something, it, it, it's, you know, you get, it's got to grow on you a little bit, but I think he'll be just fine. It, I mean, it, Joey's Joey does what he's going to do and <laughs> more power to him. I mean, I yeah, do. he's uh, he, he's got, he's got the street cred that anybody want to make fun of him. He's hey, look, Daytona 500 winner, two-time cup champion. All yeah. right. Lovely wife, beautiful family, money in the bank. Yeah. Make fun of my hair. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so anyway, so Louisa, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the truck race a little bit, right? Uh, we've already gone over. I mean, you know, you've, we already we've gone over the 500 and uh, a little bit about the Xfinity race, but uh, looks like we're Zane Smith out front um, yep. at the end of the truck race. So uh, any, any thoughts coming out of the truck race or. I mean, when you have four red flags, three of them for rain, this really is hard to paint a story, honestly. And with Zane Smith winning back-to-back as a huge confidence booster, I feel like, and I think several people can attest to this, that while it's neat that he's spending another year in a truck series to go for the championship, I arguably say he's one of those few drivers that's probably ready to move up to the next level. He's got those cup races coming up and filling in for Todd Gilliland because of sponsorships and all that in the 38 car. But what we what I've seen over the years, he was saw in the few opportunities he's had in the Xfinity series, including JRM, phenomenal. He found ways to put up superb runs. I feel like when it comes to Zane Smith having that head start already, yet again, obviously, of course, you have the playoffs, but I, I, it's, he's going to be tough to beat. And when you look in that trajectory of the truck series, you have a slew of guys that are getting opportunities that have normally not done well, like a Jack Wood or a Chase Purdy. 
getting opportunities. You have Christian Eckes, who's still looking for his first truck when he's with a new team. And you obviously have Matt Crafton still competing after all these years. You have a yeah, there's a it's a weird spot that the truck series are in right now. So if Zane were to win the championship again, but dominates and racks up all these wins, it would not come to it, the slightest surprise for me at all. But when it but at the end of the day, when it comes to Daytona, it's I can't, it's difficult for me to judge it because of the lack because so many stoppages. Obviously, modern nature will do that in Florida, but it's hard. It's very difficult to process how, who were really stood out. Besides Zane Smith and Chandler, I mean, not Chandler, Christian Eckes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like I said, it's always hard to glean information out of a restricted play race or, or anything in Daytona uh, because it's always such a crapshoot. So, but so let's move on. So we're going to Fontana and this is going to be the last race on the two mile track. Right. And they, as they set to, uh, remove it from the schedule entirely for next year and then supposed to come back in 25 as a half mile. Uh, and, and all of a sudden drivers are pushing back on that. And we've known about this for two years now, but, uh, so anyway, so, uh, now Lee, you told me that Goodyear has introduced a new tire for, for Fontana. Yeah. They've, uh, changed the compound, uh, for both left and right. And it looks like if I read it right, that they're also going to change the profile of the tires left and right, uh, just for the Fontana race, you know, cause Fontana, the, the surface there is not the greatest in the world. It's, uh, it does do a number on tires. I, remember, I think it was last year. I, I mean, it was, they were almost out of tires because they just didn't have the right compound for that uh for the track there it was uh really rough um and so goodyear's uh goodyear's gonna give them a new set of tires this year uh just for the fontana race and mind you there were a lot of incidents in practice of qualifying single car spins and incidents left and right that also did not help and and fontana has never been repaved since it opened yeah yeah, yeah, sometimes you like a good season track, but, I mean, heck, no sense in paving it now if we're going to tear it down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll have to see what uh, what um, Goodyear brings. But, you know, NASCAR is no stranger to having tire problems at particular tracks. Actually, I was quite impressed with the uh, the um, the tire wear at Daytona. Guys were getting a lot of laps out of their tires at Daytona. But but then again, that's, that's a, a, a track that's not – as hard on the tires as you get to a, a Fontana or some of these other places like that, or a Pocono. Uh, so uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But um, so here we are. So this is the the bulk of the regular season getting going. We're uh, we're heading in with a Logano leading the points. Uh, Stenhouse already has a spot in the chase, and I still, you know, and I know it's due to stage points. So I still think it's weird that the guy that wins the first race is not leading the points, but. Um, that's uh, that's NASCAR's point structure. But uh, again, Joey Logano with the lovely hair is headed into Fontana. And uh, let's go with our picks and I'll go around the table and start with you, Louise. Keep an eye on Kyle Busch. I've, and here's why. He's driving the car that was superb last year with Tyler Reddick. Kyle Busch has that urgency, that mean streak, like, oh, should have won. If it was 98, he should have. I would have won that thing. He has that mentality that, you know, he's going to go into race two, going to go guns blazing, 
and I should have said something else rather oh, than gunplay. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> considering Fonta- Fontana to the borders about two and a half hours, but the fire in his eyes to get that win and punch his ticket to the playoffs, and also in a card that should have won last year with Reddick until he had that whole ordeal with the incidents late in the going. But yeah, Kyle Busch, I think he's going to come in with a massive sense of urgency to cap off Hey, Kappa Fontana on a positive note. Yeah, I think Kyle wants to win as quickly as he can uh, with his new team just to just to kind of silence the naysayers and, and let people know that his making that move was not a mistake. So And I think Richard Chil- I think Richard Childers feels the same way. I think Richard's gonna do whatever, you know, backing and money wise that he can to get you know, to get Kyle to that point for, yeah, I, I think Richard really likes Kyle quite a bit. Oh, they do. And, and yep. I think they, the two of them get along well. So, so who do you like uh, Lee? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going with Keselowski. I think he had such a, he did have a good showing at the 500 and I think he's going to piggyback off of that um, in Fontana. I think he's, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him up there. I'd like to see him getting that checkered flag out on the start of the West coast swing. So. All right. Sounds good. And I, I'm going to go with Logano because I just, I just, this guy is just on a roll lately. You know what I mean? He, uh, you know, won the clash. He nearly won the 500. Um, he's been strong everywhere. He's coming off a second championship season. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pull for Logano this weekend in uh, California and, uh, Richard, you'll abstain from picking, I suppose. But so Richard, let's talk about, um, formula one. Yeah, uh, we got our preseason coming up, but uh, it kind of came out that uh, Lance Stroll uh, mm-hmm. is dealing with some illness, so he's going to miss the entirety of the preseason testing. Is that correct? Yeah, he took, took a leaf out of Fernando's book and uh, apparently injured himself when he was uh, training on a bike in Spain earlier in the week or late last week. So he's missing the first or the only preseason test, uh, three days of testing, and um, Drogovic, uh, former F2 front runner is uh, is going to take uh, his space for one and a half days. Those three with Fernando taking the other uh, day and a half. So yeah, obviously putting putting Lance on the back foot a little bit there. Um, you know he he needs a good year. He needs a good couple of years because no matter what happens, there's always going to be question marks over his performances when he when you consider his relationship to the guy that signs the checks at Aston Martin. So. Um, you know, there is pressure on him. He does have to go out there and he does have to start to prove himself. And, you know, it, as Aston Martin, as a team is growing as an organization, you know, they want to start competing for wins and world championships. Now, no disrespect to Fernando Alonso, but I think that window will have shut by the time he or his retirement will have come before that window fully opens for them to be a real competitor in terms of race wins. So they need to fall back on somebody else. And, you know, if Lance is going to be that guy, he's got to step up pretty quickly and and start showing us what he's worth. Or, you know, what he's worth because there is obviously some negativity around him. But uh, for something like this to happen, which I'm sure is a pure accident, um, is is you know, unfortunate for him. Really, he's got to really take advantage of it and not come back too early and do it properly. And I think we'll see by the end of this weekend whether he'll be actually taking part in the first race, which is the following weekend. So uh, we'll we'll see how that all pans out. 
Yeah, as as much as the cars change from year to year, you know, we're not like NASCAR or IndyCar where the, the car is basically the same from year to year unless there's a major update. Uh, you know, you, you, you really want to get in there, and there's only one preseason test, so he's, he's you know, going to hop into a car that's uh, – uh, that he's only probably only going to see the sim before he gets out there on an actual yeah. practice session on a race weekend. So now who was yeah. it that made the comment about stroll? Was it Vettel or was it Alonzo that said they felt like stroll could be a future champion and, yeah. and people just really had a good laugh about that. I, I think guess- it was Alonzo. It was Alonzo that said that. Yeah. There was a few, uh, few eyebrows raised that again Alonso knows where his paychecks coming from doesn't they yeah so, yeah, so. Uh, you know but uh no i think that you know look at the end of the day we sit we sit here and we, we criticize um you know a lot of these guys like uh you know um lance stroll and nicholas Satifi and people like that in recent years but you know these guys are still damn good you know and are still in the top one percent of professional race yeah. drivers in the world. It's just they're going up against twenty other guys in that one percent, or nineteen other guys in that one percent. So you know, any sign of weak, any any level of weakness is is amplified, and uh, you know, it, it's very easy for people to criticize guys like, uh, let's say, Lance and uh, Nicholas Latifi for for being terrible, and you know, whatever you want to. They're not terrible, you know, they're, they're really not. So people yeah, need to. And he largely, you know, that, Formula One is driven by, uh, you know, the engineering as much as it is the driver. So when you yeah. when you say that a guy is terrible, uh, you know, that's that doesn't fall entirely on the driver. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes it does. So, of course, you can you can absolutely see uh, a very good driver when you see somebody who makes less with more, um, you know, like uh, when George Russell was coming up. Or um, even Roberto Moreno number of times in his F1 career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, you could, you could tell when you get a, at a good guy and a, and when he gets more out of the car. So, so, well, I, I guess the other big story is, is what is Honda going to do after their relationship uh, expires with Red Bull? And cause they've still got their name in the hat. They said they don't want to exit formula one, although Honda seems to exit formula one more than anybody. I mean, they just like every couple of years, they exit F1 come back. It, you know, it's kind of like they're part of their history it goes back to the sixties. The first time they exited F1. But um, so I guess Williams is the name on the, on the table that we're hearing the most. Uh, also yeah. McLaren has been brought up as perhaps McLaren uh, and Honda may be able to mend their fractured relationship. Yeah, it's interesting that apparently this room is going around that McLaren may be partnering with Ford as well to provide a second engine for the Ford or third third team for the Ford package behind uh, Alpha Tower and Red Bull. So there's some rumors going around that uh, that McLaren could be looking at the Ford package. Uh, but yeah, you know, fundamentally, um, you know, Williams to Honda would be a, a logical step. Um, you know, Honda if Honda would do want to stay in the game, um, you know, it's obviously a team that would. Um, relish the financial input that I'm sure Honda would bring to the uh, bring to the table. So you know that that I think is a is a no brainer, for want of a better word there. Um, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks and months and years. Really, there's still quite a way to go until 2026, which is when the the uh, the, 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 the Honda's contract with uh, with Red Bull expires. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where we are in the next few years. But uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of even now there's a lot of chess going on in the background between these engine manufacturers and the uh, team principals 
Yeah, everything. Everybody's trying to get everything lined out for the next couple of years. You know, they want to be ahead of those new regulations. So, uh, so we, we've only got a couple of minutes left. So let's just touch on some of these other minor news stories here. Um, uh, IndyCar series is going to have their own reality series. Um, it's called hundred days out and it's going to, you know, basically it's going to be a lead up to the, um, to the uh, Indy 500 and the preparation there and all that. And, uh, I heard, um, Doug Bowles was on, uh, one of these radio stations on the, um, on Sunday morning where they had the little, you know, public access talk shows and Doug Bowles was on there, uh, talking about the program and whatnot. And, you know, the, the, the thing for him that he thought was a, a good draw that it's, it's kind of really close to being in real time, you know, unlike the, uh, drive to survive that's, uh, you know, showing you stuff that happened a year ago. Uh, but this premieres in March and it's on the CW It's produced by vice, um, if you're not familiar with Vice, uh, they do have a demogra- demographic that appeals to young people. And some of the programs I've seen on Vice are pretty darn good. They've, they, they've got one where they uh, chronicle uh, figures in the world wrestling entertainment. Uh, they had another one where they, they went through the making of every Star Wars movie in order. I thought that was pretty good as well. Uh, and they're all pretty well done. So I'll be interested to see what Vice does with uh, with the IndyCar countdown. Um, the other, the other bit of news is that Indy NXT formerly Indy light series has been added to the brickyard weekend. Uh, so that means you'll get to see, you know, the Indy cars, the, the Indy lights, the Xfinities and the cup cars all in one weekend. If you, and if you look at the tickets for the brickyard weekend, that flex ticket is pretty darn reasonably priced. Uh, that, that's one of the best values in motorsports. Uh, that you could see. And the only other better value would be going to race for free, which coincidentally the new layout in Detroit for the IndyCar race, uh, they're saying that as much as 50% of the track uh, will be viewable for free without a ticket. You know, I'm sure that they'll make their money off you in the form of concessions and uh, merchandise and those sort of things. But uh, I think it's uh, number one, to drive fan interest uh, for future events uh, because that race hasn't been downtown for a couple of decades. It was out on Belle Isle, uh, but it's moved back downtown. Uh, and I think the other reason is that I think that just logistically, it's hard to cordon off some of the, some of the public streets to just keep people from watching. So instead of, uh, you know, building a bunch of walls and making the place look like a, a prison camp or something, they're going to just go ahead and uh, you can stroll along the fence lines, um, you know, within a, within a safe area and kind of watch a bit of the race for free, which, uh, and if you like what you see, you could probably go buy a grandstand ticket and get a place to sit. So that'll be, that'll be coming up in June, the Detroit Grand Prix. So, um, so got a few minutes left, uh, Louise, anything that, uh, you need to, uh, share with us because you missed the first half of the show. Yeah. Let's talk about briefly about the 500 at Daytona. Never heard of I it. I saw it. <laughs> That's why I said the 500 day. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Tony Danza had a race. Rusty Wallace flipped over in that one. Something like that. <laughs> that Tony, anyway. Tony Danza. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I still remember that after all, the, after almost two decades. But yeah, here's the same. If I don't ever have to hear that Coke Zero commercial ever again, I'll be happy. If they bring back the Can You Feel It ad from Coca-Cola in like 2016, I'd rather have that than whatever whatever they're promoting with like don't get me wrong i like coke zero sugar but i i don't want to hear eight times in a row in a span of three hours 
Oh, commercials, man. When you when you've done the five hundred in consecutive years from nineteen through twenty two, and you're at, at the house, and then you have to see it on TV, it's like, yeah, hopefully by twenty four I'm back at Daytona or even August. But good grief! But I thought the covers was not as was okay. Yeah, they went to commercial during the the big problem, the second biggest wreck of the day that took out Tyler Reddick and all those guys, Chase Elliott. If only it was that Whopper ad, it would be 10 times better than Liberty. But overall, I'm just relieved there was no red flags. I am relieved there, relieved go, there yeah. was no yeah, red there you flags. Go, yeah. I so, was worried uh, for a bit. Speaking, speaking of the television coverage, the rating numbers came out. Uh, 4.37, uh, 8.1 million viewers. Um, slightly down from last year, but they said up overall because fewer households were watching on TV. I don't know how if you were households watching means up overall. I don't know, but I guess the percentage of households with their TV on, I don't know, but uh, 8.1 million viewers, not a bad little showing, you know, when we, when we compare that to uh, some, some of the numbers coming out of the regular season race, but it seemed like it's a good start to the season. People are excited about uh, NASCAR too bad that, uh, you know, they were treated to Ricky Stenhouse win, but um but I digress. Somebody was happy with that. Ricky Stenhouse was happy with that. Yeah, there's some Brad, folks happy. Brad, Brad Daughtry was smiling. Yeah, so. But. All right, Richard, do you have any final thoughts for us? Any, Coca-Cola, any Coca-Cola commercials you didn't don't Not care for? Me, for? No. no. Oh, All the right. Pepsi one's a bit weird, isn't it? But we'll leave that for the uh, soft drink podcast we do later. All right. You have to, you have to watch the Netflix series, Pepsi Where's My Jet. Yeah, just, just look it up. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's good. a good one. It's really good. It's like yeah, as long as we're promoting Netflix, I mean they're they're letting us show the driver survives. Watch Pepsi. Where's my jet? Just you'll you'll enjoy it. It's interesting. So Lee, my friend, um, you have any final thoughts for your evening here before we sign off? I I I do have to commend IndyCars for their uh, decision to open up the the Detroit Grand Prix uh, to. Fr- for fans to just go and view it. I think that's a, a class act on, on IndyCar. Uh, you know, if they're taking over downtown in a major city, and I think it's nothing but a, a positive for IndyCar to do that. And uh, I commend that for taking that leap forward. It's a bit, it's a big leap for them. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's very good. Yep. So, well, that being said, I want to thank again, Netflix and uh, Forza Motorsport. Uh, thank Formula One for sending us the, their trailer. Um, I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, Spreaker, uh, Facebook Live, Google Podcasts, and uh, iTunes. I want to thank you, Richard, Louise, Lee. I want to thank our producer, Keith Sinister One Hayes. But most of all, I want to thank you folks that watch us every week. And, uh, and again, you know, feel free to uh, put your questions on our Facebook page, and we'll try to get to them next week or join us in the chat when we're broadcasting live. So, But until next week, you all have a good week. Thank you. Life isn't a choice between either and the 2023 Slingshot Roush Edition. Inspired by Roush, the iconic brand whose name means performance on and off the racetrack. Yes, it's top of the line Slingshot performance. And yes, it's like nothing you've driven before. The Slingshot Roush Edition. Pure joy with precision in the curves. Built for those who never settle and love to stand out. 
the Roush Edition Slingshot is going to turn heads with its inspired combination of aesthetics and performance. Make every trip an adventure and every mile a memory. watching Draft in the Circuits. Make sure to follow Draft in the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Draft in the Circuits is a co-Sinister One production.